Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Walea Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. God wants me to speak to somebody here from Genesis chapter 18, verse 10 to 14. Genesis chapter 18, verse 10 to 14. And he said, I will certainly return to you. This is God now that visited Abraham and Isaac. God visited Abraham and Isaac. Sorry, Abraham and Sarah. And God said, I will suddenly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well advanced in age. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Surely, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. According to the time of life, Sarah shall have a son. I want to prophesy immediately into the life of somebody. By the middle of this year, that which you are trusting God for becomes a reality in Jesus' name. I'm speaking under a prophetic anointing. That which you are trusting God for, it will reach your hand in Jesus' name. It shall reach your hand in Jesus' name. Friends, you can take your seat for a minute. Friends, you see, God never speaks to us about what we can accomplish ourselves. God never speaks to us. If you say God has spoken to me, and what you say God has told you is something you can do yourself, guaranteed God is not the one that spoke to you. God never speaks to us based on our natural capacity. He speaks to us based on, based on his own capacity in us. God speaks to us based on his own capacity in us. In us. When God said to Sarah, he said, Sarah, you will have a son. What Sarah was thinking, Sarah was, was doubting God, and she was thinking, look at me, look at what she said. She said, I'm, I'm old, verse 12. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm old. Abraham himself is very, very old and all of that. She, you know, she was looking at everything based on the natural. But the Bible tells us literally when God was speaking, actually God was not speaking about reproduction. God was speaking about dunamis. For the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, Sarah herself received dunamis to conceive. She wasn't going to conceive based on the dead seed of Abraham. She was going to conceive based on supernatural means. Is anybody still here? What God has said concerning you and your family. In the natural right now, it might look completely impossible. But I'm here to tell you as a servant of God, by the middle of this year, it will become a reality in Jesus' name. It shall become a reality. It will be a reality. It will be a reality. No matter how many devils are in hell, it will be a reality. It shall be a reality. Even if there are a billion devils, even if there are 10 billion coven of witches, I'm standing here, I'm telling you, it shall be a reality. The name of Jesus Christ. 
That is why, listen carefully, God spoke to me that I should tell you today. Very simple, direct word to you. And the word is titled, Stop Doubting God. Stop doubting God. Stop doubting God. Don't doubt him anymore. Stop doubting him. What does it mean to doubt? Very quickly. To doubt means to call into question the integrity of God or the ability of God. When you're doubting God, you're calling into question his integrity or his ability. One of the two or both of them. You're saying, can God do what he says he wants to do? Ability. Will God do what he says he will do? Integrity. You're doubting the integrity of God. Will he do it? You're doubting the ability of God. Can he do it? Stop doubting God. Friends, we have to understand, doubt makes us lose, listen very carefully, we fail to receive from God and this begins a cycle of faith failure in our lives when we doubt. And this cycle of faith failure ultimately leads to apostasy. What do I, what do I mean by that? You've seen people today that are Christians. Some of them praise and worship leaders. The guy that wrote the song, So Will I. A very powerful song. We sang this song at uh, Open Heavens 20, what, 17, 18, 19, 20. Somewhere along the line there. <laughs> you know, we sang, we sang that song, So Will I, when Osby Berry came and sang that song. And, you know, you know, the guy came out one day, the guy, the guy that wrote, wrote the song, came out and said, you know what, he's been having these issues and he doesn't believe God and all of that kind of stuff. People have been coming out like that. And the reason why that happens is because along the line, somewhere, somebody, they doubted God. But they didn't understand that the full implication of doubting God. You doubt God, then you don't receive what you were trusting God for. Then it starts a cycle. Uh, I trusted, I fasted, I prayed, then I didn't get it. Then this God is related to, then it starts a cycle. Then you another thing, it starts another cycle. And it gets more and more reinforced. By the time you know what's going on, the person's already moved far away from God. That will not be your portion. In James chapter 1, verse 5 to 6, James chapter 1, verse 5 to 6, it says, If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all, liberally, without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Keep going, keep going, please. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Anything from the Lord. Doubting God, friends, understand, Deuteronomy 28, 66 is a curse of the Lord. Deuteronomy 28, verse 66. He says, your life, please don't say amen, please. He says, your life shall hang in doubt because some people are programmed to say amen automatically in church. Since your life shall hang in doubt before you, you shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. This is part of the consequence of breaking the law. But Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, even as it is written, Christ is every man a hand upon the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. Are you still in the house? When we doubt God, I'm trusting God for 
so and so. Then some, some challenges are happening. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting some, you know, pushing back on the enemy. And the enemy, the enemy is, you know, being resistant and all of that, you know, hindering. And the factual door has opened to me. But there are many adversaries. And I'm pushing back up the enemy. And suddenly, maybe along the lines, I give up. And I don't get it. Then I say, this God, are we even sure? Sometimes he does this, sometimes he doesn't do it. Now, that looks a little bit harmless. It looks harmless. But what you don't know that you're doing in that doubt, you're doubting the willingness or the integrity of God, is that we have opened up the door. And ultimately, what Satan wants is apostasy. Apostasy. He doesn't want people to become Christians, but if you do become a Christian, he wants you to become apostates. So you get to a point where you're saying, I don't even want to do this Christianity anymore. But that will not be your portion in Jesus' name. You will serve God, your children will serve God, your generation will serve God. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? What causes doubt? And I'd like you to please listen carefully if you've not been listening. Listen very carefully. I'm going to give you some quick things quickly then. We're going to do something very important today to deal with doubt. Is that all right, church? Because you can't afford, friends, let me say this to you. What God wants to do in your life. You cannot afford to doubt God, whether it's ability or his integrity. You can't. You can't. Don't let Satan cheat you. Quickly, let's get into it. What causes that? Number one, what causes doubt is a complete belief in natural evidence only. A complete belief in natural evidence only. There are people today that the only evidence they believe is the natural. So let me give you the scripture. Genesis 37. Genesis 37, verse 31 to 36. Genesis 37, verse 31 to 36. Please stay with me. Follow me. This is a very interesting story. So the Bible talks about here, of course, you can go back home and study it very well. They want, this is about Joseph. When his brothers had captured him, they wanted to kill him. But Reuben, the eldest brother, said, don't kill him, don't kill him. Let's, you know, put him in the pit and we'll figure out what we're going to do later on. So he went away. Before he came back, the people saw the Midianites coming on their way to Egypt. They were traders, those Midianites. They were camels. So they brought Joseph out of the pit and sold him off. So when Reuben came back, he said, oh, my God, the guy is gone. What am I going to tell my dad? So they now conspired and came up with a plan. The plan was to take his um, uh, coat of many colors, kill a goat, you know, a young goat, and put the coat of many colors in the blood and take it to the father. Now, so let's continue from verse 31. Let's continue from verse 31. So they took Joseph's tunic, that's the coat of many colors, killed a kid of the goats, dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Now look at what they said. Do you know whether it's your son's tunic? Of course he knows it's his son's tunic. Do you know if it's your son's tunic? And he recognized it as his father. The father, Jacob, he recognized it. And he said, now I want you to see what he said. He said, a wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Stop there for a minute. Is it true that Joseph is torn to pieces? Is it true that a wild beast has devoured him? Is it true that it is Joseph's tunic? Is it true that there's blood on that tunic? Please, it's not everything you see that you should believe. Question the evidence. Question the evidence. It is true I'm having these symptoms. Question it. God said he himself took my family, but I'm having this evidence. They've told me the second MRI that the cancer is growing. Question it. Question it. 
God spoke to Jacob about his, about, about, about his children. But here, he said, I'll give you the blessing of Abraham. God gave him the blessing of Abraham. I, I don't have time to go through the story. Has God given the blessing of Abraham in Genesis 27 from verse 27 and Genesis 28 from verse 1 to 3? God gave him the blessing of Abraham. Abraham did not bury his children. Why did Jacob not think he was going to bury his own children? What God spoke to him when he saw natural evidence, he started saying, he said, without doubt, Jacob is dead. Jacob is dead. Nobody can convince me. Jacob is dead. Jacob is dead. Acts of Apostles chapter 28, very quickly, verse 1 to 4. Verse 3 to 4, rather. Acts 28, verse 3 to 4. Another natural evidence. New Testament now. Acts 28, 3 to 4. Where Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire. Okay, this was when they had an accident on the island of Malta. A viper came out because of the heat. Now, the viper came out. Why? Come on, speak to me, church. Because of the heat. Okay. And fasting okay, on his hand. Verse 4. When the natives of that land, these are experts now, natives of that land, these are the experts. When they saw the creature hanging on his hand, they said to one another, No doubt, this man is a murderer. He is a murderer. He is a murderer. We are far. Look at the evidence now. Look at the evidence. Look at there are 270 something people, 200, about over 270 people that came out of that ship. Why is he only him? Is a murderer. He's done something. He's a murderer. How is it that sometimes in life, when you are trusting God for something, and some people that look like your mates, that on the same line with you, same kind of age range with you, they seem to move on, and people begin to look at you and point fingers at you that something is wrong with you. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, nothing is wrong with you. I said nothing is wrong. My God, my God. I think I'm going to have church on this side. Nothing is wrong with you. Don't worry about the person right to, to your left or to your right. Why don't you stand up and say to yourself, nothing is wrong with me. You're going to shout it, nothing is wrong with me. Let the devil know, nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong with me. Nothing is wrong with me. Don't look at me the way you're looking at me. Nothing is wrong with me. I know you don't want to greet me, but nothing is wrong with me. You had your party, you didn't invite me. Nothing is wrong with me. Your daughter had the wedding, you didn't invite me. Nothing is wrong with me. The baby shower, you didn't invite me. Nothing is wrong with me. Brighter shower, you didn't call me. Nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong with you. Nothing is wrong with you. Shake that deed inside the fire. Sometimes in life, what people are saying, or maybe on your Instagram page, or your social media page, or what you had a friend said to the friend, a friend, a friend, a friend, a friend, and you get, eventually get to hear it, you say to yourself, what is even wrong with me? Nothing. I applied for a job, first job, second job. I applied for, I had so many resumes out. I've been to first interview, second interview, third interview, different, different interviews, no job. Six months, one year, then you get to me, you say, what is wrong with me? My answer is, please, church, let's answer that person. Don't let Satan deceive you because you're looking at the physical evidence and they said it's a year of favor. What is wrong? Why is everybody sharing testimony? Only me. What is wrong with me? Nothing. Nothing is wrong with you, sir. I said nothing is wrong with you, ma'am. Nothing is wrong with you. Nothing is wrong with you. A complete belief in natural evidence only. Jesus told us in John chapter 7, verse 24, the gospel according to St. John, the 7th chapter, the 24th verse, Jesus told us, do not judge according to appearance. 
Don't judge according to your parents. How many times have this swayed many people? Judging according to your parents only. You look at it and your parents only. Our parents only. And part of the reason is because we so much, we so much involve ourselves and we immerse ourselves in the natural evidence. People that are not lawyers, they speak legal terminologies more than lawyers. They understand the law more than lawyers. Well, pastor, I've studied the old people that I mean, the amazing people that are not doctors. They know it more than doctors. They were telling you, pastor, this is the something, this is the, the prognosis, the diagnosis, the this and that, the, that. Ah, even me that I studied pharmacy, I don't know this thing like you. What is the problem? These hours you have spent studying this kind of rare cancer, spend it studying Isaiah. I'm telling you, I'm, listen, listen, listen. I'm not telling you theory. I'm not telling you theory. I'm not telling you theory. I'm telling you practicals. This is not, oh, some, that's what pastors, this is not what pastors say. This is what, what human beings do. Real Christians do. I'm telling you. I've seen death. I've seen the spirit of death. Don't, don't, don't think that I'm just preaching. I've seen the spirit of death. This is not uh, some, so I've seen the spirit of death. I've seen life and I've seen death. I'm going to tell you the whole story one day. So I'm telling you, instead of spending all the time uh, saying, uh, doctor, 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 why don't you say, doctor, 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 doctor. Pray! And Holy Spirit, show me what to do next. People look at natural evidence only. So look at it now. Unemployment rates among black youths, 27%. Uh, specifically among uh, black Africans or Afri African Canadians, 38%. Among black Africans, specifically Af uh, that live young adults that live in Mississauga, 42%. It keeps getting worse. Why are you bothered about all those statistics when the Bible says, Arise, <laughs> for the light has come. <laughs> the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Kakaba, darkness may cover the earth. There may be 100% unemployment and deep darkness in people, but the Lord shall arise over you. His glory shall be seen upon you. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness. Oh my God, I wish I was speaking to somebody here today when the bible tells me your gates shall be open continually they shall not be shut that men may bring unto you the wealth of the gentiles don't tell me what the statistics is telling me i went to meetings in 2020 2021 they were telling me oh church people are not coming to church again i've gone to about two meetings i shut down the meetings i didn't my wife said you know i said i'm not going to do this meeting again well the meeting is they're celebrating unbelief that's what they do in those meetings, they celebrate and believe. People are not coming to church anymore. People are not coming to church anymore. Oh, people, a lot of people have left church. A lot of people have, I mean, that's what they were all saying in the meeting. They were all celebrating unbelief, and we had the chairman of unbelief. Everybody was just talking about unbelief. I said, no, I don't want to do that meeting anymore. I'm looking for people of like precious faith. People that believe that it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the lost house shall be established on top of the mountains. All nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come, not a few people. Many people shall come. Don't tell me. I would rather believe scripture. Why is it that people that doubt happens? Number one, a complete belief in natural evidence. Number two, underestimating the omnipotence of God. You don't know, and I don't know, fully how powerful God is. We don't know. Whatever it is that you know about the almightiness of the almighty, whatever it is that I know about the almightiness of the almighty, 
multiplied by a billion times, it still hasn't scratched the surface of how powerful God is. We don't really know how powerful this God is. You know, you know, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, even as a person, I feel very insulted. I remember I was in a church in Abuja in Nigeria in 2014. I was sitting in the midweek service like this. I've shared part of this story before. And a woman sent her daughter, while the service was going on, to come to me. She, a young eight-year-old girl. She came to me, tapped me, and said, my mother would like to see you at the end of the service. I said, sure, why not? So the woman I knew was going to be asking me for money or something like that. So the woman, anyway, asked me for money. Long and short story. Well, oh, she asked me for 5,000 naira. 5,000 naira. I, I felt insulted. 5,000. She told me long story. Long story. At the end of the story, 5,000 naira. And the reason is because she did not know the capacity of the person sitting next to them. There was one woman that met, that met the Almighty God by a well. And the Almighty God said, give me something to drink. What are you doing? The man said, God has to say to her, that's God in flesh, now Jesus. How to say to her, if you know the gift of God and the person that is telling you, give me. Because the woman was saying, you are talking about water. The woman said, do you have rope to put this? That's where we are. I know, I know if I have a headache, by stripes, I'm healed. Cancer, can God heal cancer? Can God heal cancer? Can God heal epilepsy? Pastor, we're talking about cancer here. So sometimes, you know, some people come to pastors, and pastors say, okay, let's pray. Say, hey, pastor, please, I just, I just wanted to let you know. Basically, they're trying to say, Pastor, this isn't very big, it's bigger than God, though. God will need to outsource some of these things. You don't know the almightiness of God. The Bible says, our God, the omnipotent reigns. Listen to me. Some people were killing Jesus at one time, and the Pharisees and the scribes were angry, and they said, shut up, shut up. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, God is able to raise children from stones. Who could have said that? God is able to raise children from these stones. Listen very carefully. Today, people say, oh, no spam count. That means there can be no child. God is able to raise children from what? What is the spam count of a stone? No, you're the one that, we, you told me you went to school. Tell me now, what is the spam count of a stone? I've been to study this after all, you're a gynecologist, eh? right? Eh? What is spam count of a stone? What is the viability of the egg in the stone? And God is able to. The Bible says, How shall this thing be? Mary asked. He said, What are you talking about? How shall this thing be? He said, How shall this thing be? She's another man. He said, The Holy Ghost shall overpower you, overshadow you. He said, And the thing that will inside you shall be called the Holy One. Listen very carefully to me. Don't underestimate God. God feels insulted when you are estimating. If you ever needed money, you need money, you need everything, let's assume, let's assume 100% willingness. 100% willingness. If you are broke, you need money, you just really need money. You know, for, for the, you need money. Then you run into Jeff Bezos. So I really need, please, $5,000. Do, do, you know, do you know the time it will take Jeff Bezos to bring out his checkbook, put it on the table, and write $5,000? It's wasted time. That time, let's assume it's one minute. Do you know how much how much it makes in a minute? Certainly, I guarantee you, it's more than five thousand dollars. Many many years ago, it was it was said of Bill Gates when he was still the richest man of, in the world. How time changes. Anyway, <laughs> that if he drops ten thousand dollars, if he falls from his pocket, the time it will take him to pick it up, it will have made more than that ten thousand dollars. So many years ago. 
So since I've met somebody like Ije Bezos, now say, all I need is just to pay my rent for the month of February. It's an insult. You don't even know how, we don't know how big this God is. That's what Moses was asking God. I have 600,000 men. You're telling me you're going to feed them for a month? God said, you will find out now whether my hand is too short. God said, they will eat not only for me. They will eat, they will be full. They will eat extra. They will take dessert. And most, because Moses was saying, shall all the rams in the wilderness be killed? He was taunting God, being sarcastic. He was saying, shall all the fish in the river be brought out? And God said, look at you. So that's all the options you can give me. How dumb you are. And the Bible says in Numbers 11, 31, and God sent the wind. And the wind brought quail and put it one day away from the camp. Friends, please, stop there. Well, uh, since I've applied to Royal Bank, no job. Uh, Social Bank, no job. BMO, no job. And I really want to work in the bank. Can God still give me a job in the bank? Stop that nonsense, please. Stop that nonsense. You don't even know this God we're talking about. This God, please understand, is the most high God. He does not need permission from anybody to do anything. He needs no permission from anybody to do anything. Quickly, let's go on. What causes doubt? Number three, maybe we'll leave at number three today. Is somebody being blessed already? Yeah. Underestimating the supreme wisdom of God. Doubt comes when we underestimate the supreme wisdom of God. The supreme wisdom of God. God's wisdom is not superior. It is supreme. It is supreme. Superior means that uh, you know, maybe you, you know, and this has happened to probably some of you. Maybe when you were in primary school, you were top of your class, and you were you were, you were a big deal, you know, in your class. Then you got into you know high school, or you got into university, and you met some other people there, and you had no rank. That means that when you were primary school, you were superior. <laughs> but when you got into the university level, when the you know university opens up to different people and people fleeing from different parts of the world, and they join the university, you met some people. That, and then you, you realize that, you know, uh -huh, there are levels. But God's wisdom is not like that. God's wisdom is not superior to the devil. God's wisdom is what? Supreme. 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 His wisdom is supreme. Please understand that. Now, what, what, what aspect of the wisdom of God I want to show you is, and this is a very important thing for us that are praying. Listen carefully. When you pray, it's not when God starts preparing the answer. Please write it down if you're writing. That's a very important statement of faith. When you pray, it's not when God starts preparing your answers. Quickly, write it down, please. When you pray, when I pray, it's not when God starts preparing the answer. You're praying now, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. Lord, this immigration challenge. Lord, this marriage issue. Lord, I need, I've missed one or two opportunities. In my 20s, now I'm in my 30s, now I'm in my 40s. What am I going to do? Lord, I'm in my 50s now. When you are saying that prayer, that's not when God starts preparing. You see, the one of the reasons why we are doubting and we doubt the ability of God is that we think that now I'm praying because I'm just faced with the problem now. So I'm faced with this challenge. I'm beginning to pray now. Oh, Lord God of heaven. So I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving. Things were moving. Life was easy for me. Then I come across this obstacle now, and I cannot move the obstacle. Oh, God, help me. Help me. Who is going to move this obstacle? Oh, God, please, Lord, move it, oh, God. Then you remember, I speak to this obstacle to move. Then some of you are thinking, if God is going to even move it, why is he going to get somebody now? 
This is the wilderness. There's nobody here. Because you are thinking of the options because you thought when you hit this obstacle is when God, and you started praying, is when God discovered it. Please listen carefully to me. Matthew chapter 6 verse 8. Please let this sink deep into your spirit, man. Matthew 6, 8. Your father knows the things you have need of. When did he know it? No, no, please speak to me. When did he know it? During the time you were asking? I said it. This is where the church is. When does your father know the things you are asking? Before. Before. Please underline it. Write it down. This scripture is a powerful scripture for faith building. Before he knew it, before you ask him, as a matter of fact, technically as you go, or theologically as you go through scripture, the word before there, he knew it before the foundation of the earth. So it's even deeper than that. He already knew all the needs. He, knew the, he knows the prayer you're going to pray in 25 years' time. He knows the prayer. He knows the prayer you're going to pray on April 17th, 2045. He knows where you're going to be and the prayer you will pray. When you're praying for your grandchildren. Oh God, see me. Oh God, do something about her. God knows. So it's already, you don't even know that, that that's going to be the name of one of your grandchildren. God knows. God prepared. He has prepared the answer to that prayer. So let's look at an example in scripture, shall we? Mark chapter 14, verse 12 to 15. Mark 14, 12 to 15. On the first day of the unliving bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, so understand that the unliving bread is celebrated uh, for seven days. All right, it's for seven days. All right. So now, so the festival has started now. This is the first day, okay, when they killed the Passover lamb. His disciples said to him, so time has really gone now. His disciples said to him, where do you want us to go? To go and do what? Please speak to me now. To go and do what? Now remember, time has gone. Please, they're talking to Jesus now, they're praying. You, you're going to eat the Passover. You didn't give us instruction all this while. And also, we also, we didn't remember to ask you. Lord, where do you want us to go and prepare? It's time is late. We want to go and prepare this Passover. Where? We, we want to go and prepare it. We want to go and prepare it for you. Verse 13. He sent out two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city. A man will meet you. Not you will meet him, but a man will meet you. The man is carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Keep, keep going. Then he will show you a large upper room. What, that is what? What was the question the disciples asked? Where shall we go and... So who prepared the room? Who prepared the room? Okay, I know it's God, but who prepared the room? The man that owns the house, right? He had prepared it and what? Furnished it. But the disciples, the urgency of their own prayer was, Oh God, where do we go and prepare this? Oh God, where will I get this job? But your job is furnished. Your office is furnished. Oh God, where will I get the husband again? To my left. Uh -uh. To my right, I see only one man, but uh, no, Lord. No, Lord. And God is saying to you, the man furnished, prepared, prepared for you. Please, you have to believe this. Whatever you're looking for is prepared for you. One day in the afternoon, in the afternoon many years ago, 
when I started sensing that we need to move. I was praying in the afternoon, true life story. I was praying in the afternoon. Suddenly, I first, first, first uh, moved in my spirit to come to this area. That the building we're coming to is in this area. True life story. And I drove, there's a place just about two minutes from here. It's called Future Shop. Future Shop used to be there. Some of us remember. You remember the place? Future Shop used to be there. I, because that Future Shop was empty. They moved on. The Future Shop had moved out of the place. So I thought it was the Future Shop. So I drove into the place, looking, thinking it was Future Shop so I can, I can look at it. I drove to the place. I saw the Future Shop. I said, okay, maybe it's going to be this place. I looked into the place a little bit. I, didn't, I couldn't figure out the, the size, but I looked into it. Then, you know what? I look at the number of agents. I said, all right, that's fine. So I pick up my phone. I call somebody. I said, call the agent. Let's find out. They called the agent. They said, oh, it's gone. Somebody else has, uh, has taken it. As a matter of fact, they're about to start the renovation next week. So when they said, I said, ah, what I had? I know what I had. So I, I prayed in the spirit a little bit. I said, well, ah, so where, where can we find a place now? And that was the issue. Where can we find a place? But you know, this place we're in now, we did not find it. He found us. He found us. So when God was speaking to me and I came out of the heat of prayer to future shop, I, I was around the area, but I wasn't specific. I, I didn't get the specific place because I was looking for a place we will prepare, but God has prepared this place. Friends, let me say this to you. No matter what, I mean, Topsy was, Topsy had prayed, they did, they, they did, they, you know, with some of our friends that prayed, you know, and, and they were doing, one of our friends was doing a party, a birthday party, and they had finished, you know, normal human beings. They finished the party by 10 p.m. By 10 p.m. or so, they were already sleeping. Normal human beings, they've changed, party is done. But God dragged me from, with some, from my friends. We're having an argument in the car. And what the guy that was driving missed his way. That's how we got, ended up in North London and said, oh, after my cousin, I tell I remember now, is having a birthday party. Maybe we should just branch there. Just to calm the tension in the car. But God has prepared. God has prepared. That's how they dragged me inside the, inside, <laughs> inside, inside the place. And when I got into the place, God released me. So now talk like a normal woman. Me. And you know, as I got into the place, when I saw her, true life story, I don't know, I can't explain it. But something told me that this is destiny. I knew it. This one is destiny. Not, I just knew. This is destiny. Behave yourself completely. Underestimated the supreme wisdom of God. Shall, we, shall I give you one more quickly? What causes doubt? A sense of unworthiness. People feel unworthy. Pastor, uh, I know God wants to do it, but for somebody like, I know God can do all this, but so why, would God, why would God be interested in that for me? For me. For me. But I know God will do it for Pastor Deboye. God will do it for, you know, big, great, great men of God, great women of God, people that have big faith, but for me, someone like me. But why would God care about someone like me? Please stop feeling unworthy. You are not being spiritual, neither are you being humble. I'm going to be a bit hard on you. Anyway, I'm leaving immediately. It's, it's, <laughs> I already told you that before. I'm going to be a bit hard on you. Please, it's not humility. Just keep on cutting yourself. I'm a worm. I, I, I'm feeling unworthy. I keep knocking yourself, telling you're feeling humble. Don't, don't do that. It's a, it's a knowledge gap. I'm trying to be, be nice. You know, my father will have said, ignorance. 
you know, stop doing that. Genesis 32, verse 6 to 12. Quickly, let's take it, let's take it through. Genesis 32, verse 6 to 12. Look at the man called Jacob, this same man called Jacob again. Verse 6 to 12. So this is when he, when he offended Esau, and Esau was not coming with 400 men to meet him. Now, I want you to see the level of unworthiness. See how Jacob is quoting scripture, praying, quoting scripture, and he's still feeling unworthy. And prayer could not be answered. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him, the flocks, the heads, and camels, and the two companies keep going, please. And he said, if Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Then Jacob said, oh God of my father, you see, he's praying now, Abraham, God of Isaac, the Lord who said to me, and it is true, in the story, previously, God said this to him. So that's scripture, that's the word of God. Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. Now, if God said that to you, why are you not doing this? Now, look at what he said in verse 10. Where, where is fear? I said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. You know, you know, do you know how 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 this thing hurts God when we when we say this to God? It's like somebody going picking up a lady and saying, No, I want you to get married to me and all of that, you know, doing all the right things, and on the day of the wedding, and they read the vows, and they, you know, the minister, you know, reads the vow, and the man says, <laughs> smiles and says, I do, of course I do. I do. And it's time for the lady now. Let's assume the marriage goes first. It's time for the lady now. And the lady was going to read the vow. said, do you take this man as your lawfully wedded husband to have and to hold all, from today all the rest of your life and all of that? And the man looked at him and said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. What do you think is going to happen in the wedding? The, the man is going to be confused. The guests will be confused. That's what we do. Jesus says, I love you. You say, I'm not worthy. I don't know what's the problem. He loves, you think, you think Jesus is shocked by you? You know, this is an amazing part of it. You think Jesus is shocked? You think, you think, Jesus, you think Jesus doesn't know you? <laughs> you know, Jesus said to Peter, he said, um, come here, uh, apostle, come, come. He said, apostle, he said, oh, yes, sir. He said, he said, I have the key. Jesus said, don't relax, relax. I know you have the key. He said, before the cock will crow um, tomorrow morning, Twice. You'll have denied me three times. He said, me, God forbid. I reject it in Jesus' name. <laughs> so, 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 Peter said, I reject it in Jesus' name. Can't happen to me. All these people, yes. But you remember you said you gave me the key. No, not me. Jesus said, just relax, apostle, relax. Jesus said, when you come back, strengthen your brethren. Don't worry, I've forgiven you before you committed the offense. So I'm already speaking about your future of restoration. So, so, So you are looking at yourself today and you're thinking, ah, if only God knows, if only the person sitting next to me knows what I have done. It's true. They might be shocked. But God is not shocked. The first time you are asking God for repentance, asking God for forgiveness, you think it's the first time God is knowing about it? You have to understand that it's omniscient. He, he didn't know about it the day you committed it. He knew about it before the foundation of the world. That's why the Bible says in Revelation chapter 13 verse 8, that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth. That's before Adam and Eve were created. God knew they would sin. When he showed up in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? He wasn't looking for Adam because he couldn't find him. He was looking for Adam so that he can take the cloth. He wanted Adam to tell him what has happened. So that is a point, a way of repentance. So he can take the skin, the skin of an animal dripping with blood that he had already brought to meet Adam on that day. Adam had fig leaves. 
So he can take that to cover his sin because without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. He came to that garden on that day with the skin of an animal dripping with blood because he knew. Friends, God loves you so much with everything about you. And let me say this to you. God does not love you or love me because we're lovely. He doesn't love us because we're lovable. He loves us because of himself. He is love. He can't do anything but love. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? A sense of unworthiness. Jacob or heart felt this sense of unworthiness. So anyway, quickly, how do we overcome doubt? We overcome doubt simply by the impartation of the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 says, Well, we having the same spirit of faith. Even as it's written, I believe and I spoke. We also believe and we speak. You need beyond the word of faith if you're going to overcome doubt. I need it. I need an impartation of the spirit of faith if I'm going to overcome doubt. Quickly, are you ready? Are you still with me? What does this spirit of faith allow us to do? Acts 24 verse 14. He allows us to believe all things. We believe all things. We are able to believe all things. When God says, he himself took my infirmity, I believe it. You are the head, you're not the tail. No, right now I'm below the tail. I believe it. When God says, all nations are come, many people shall come to it. I believe it. I believe it. No matter what God is saying, I believe it. When God says, none shall lack their mates, I believe it. When God says to you as a man, your wife shall be in the, in the center of your house as an only plan, your children are like, are like only, as an only for your children like only plan, round about the table, I believe it. Do you believe it? When the Bible says, your children shall be mighty on the earth, do you believe it? I believe it. When God says, all your children shall be taught of the Lord, great shall be the peace of your children. Do you believe it? I believe it. That means there will be no black sheep in your family. When the Bible says, you shall not labor in vain, Isaiah 65, 23, nor shall you bring forth children for trouble. Do you believe it? When God says, here am I, and the children the Lord has given me, we are for signs and wonders in Israel. Do you believe it? Psalm 71 verse 7, when the, word, when the Lord says, I have become a wonder to many, for the Lord of hosts is my refuge. Do you believe it? You are a wonder to many. What makes you believe that is the spirit of faith. And you need an impartation of this spirit of faith. Now, let's see how it works out now. Genesis 45. Remember our friend Jacob? When they showed him the tunic, what did he say again? Genesis 37, verse 32, 33. What did he say? He said, without doubt, put it on the screen. Genesis 37, 33. He says, without doubt, a beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is taught the business, right? Okay, Genesis 45 now. Genesis 45. Genesis 45, from, let's start from verse 25. Jacob, what are you saying now? From verse 25. And they went out of Egypt and came. That is the brothers of Joseph. Now, after Joseph has revealed himself to them and said, I'm Jacob, Joseph, and sent them to his father. And to the land of the father uh, in Canaan, keep going, please. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive. He's the governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still. Why? He did not believe. And there's nothing you can say that we will ever believe. He did not believe. Because the same people that brought the news and said, uh, he's dead. Now bring the news and say he's alive. Which one? Keep going, please. And they told him, he's alive. Which Joseph said, and, and he saw the cats which Joseph had sent to carry them. Then the Bible says something. The spirit of Jacob revived. The spirit of Jacob did what? 
That's what you need to cure faith, to cure doubt. And look at what he now said. Look at this confession, verse 28. He said, then Israel now said, that's Jacob, right? Israel now said, it is enough. I don't need to hear it again. My Joseph, my son. But this is the man that said, without doubt, he has been tongue with beast. He said, I will go and see him before I die. Look at it. He changed his tune. Do you know that many people around you, they are going to change their tune when they see your testimony? Yeah. His spirit revived. You need your spirit to revive. The reason why you're not believing is that Satan has attacked you, you with doubt. You, you need your spirit to revive. Stand on your feet. Believe in all things. I believe in all things. Do you believe? Listen to me very carefully. Middle of this year, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. Revive your work in the midst of the years. In rot, remember mercy. In the month of June and July this year, what that thing you are trusting God for, I speak to you under a prophetic anointing. It shall be manifest in your life in Jesus' name. Whatever you prayed at the beginning of this year, it shall be manifest in Jesus' name. Friends, you need this spirit of faith to come upon you. God has enabled me, by grace of God, to walk in the dimension of it. Where you can believe when there's nothing to believe. You can believe when there's nothing to believe. I want to pray for you. The God that made the building you're standing in now, if you're watching, the building you're watching now, that made it a possibility. <laughs> it took faith. Huh? Faith. Faith. The God that makes this thing a possibility. I stand here today on the authority of his word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. The door you are knocking on or your children are knocking on, that ought to open. I command it now to open for you in Jesus' name. I command it now to open for you in Jesus' name. Every door the enemy has opened concerning your children that will lead them to error. Concerning your husband, your wife, or you yourself to lead you to error right now. May that door be shut in Jesus' name. Oh my God, my God. May the door be shut. It is written, arise for your light has come. It says, your gate shall be open continually that men may bring unto you the wealth of the Gentiles. Listen, I'm about to declare this over you. I'd like you to receive it with all of your heart. Don't think about how it will happen. Sarah has passed the age of childbearing, but she conceived. Out of season miracles. Out of season miracles. Out of season miracles. I stand by the authority of the word of God under the power of the Holy Spirit. I declare it over you. Receive it in Jesus' name. Out of season miracles, receive it in Jesus' name. Out of season testimonies, receive it in Jesus' name. Out of season wonders, receive it in Jesus' name. Out of season testimonies, receive it in Jesus' name. Out of season miracles, receive it in the name of Jesus' name. You will testify out of season, you will testify in season. In the name of Jesus, so shall it be. Your hands will not be empty, your mouth will not be empty. Your hands will not be empty, your mouth will not be empty. In the name of Jesus, if you receive it, give him a shout. Now say this with me, I am a testimony. And I have a testimony. I am a testimony. 
and I have a testimony. I am a testimony, and I have a testimony. As you have said in the hearing of God, so shall it be. In Jesus' name. One more time, if you're a lover of Jesus and you know we're going to celebrate your out of season miracle, give him another shout. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.